Leadership is a special calling. Leading the people to believe in you, that's only half the battle. Leading them to believe in themselves, that's how victories are won. Nobody likes a selfish wag. Welcome to Avant Bard, a podcast where two theater nerds explore the highest highs and the lowest lows of works inspired by that upstart crow himself, William Shakespeare. My name is Megan Charlo, and I use she, her pronouns. And my name is Matthew James Marquez, and I use he, him pronouns. This week, we're doggy paddling into the well of Wishbone with the episode, The Prince of Wags. This is the first of our trilogy of Wishbone. <laughs> yeah, well, when I brought this podcast up to Megan, I mentioned how Wishbone had a ton of Shakespeare episodes. Oh, just a plethora, man. That this well would never run dry. And uh, we recently discovered there are three. <laughs> so this is one of them. The first in a series. Well, just to give a little bit of context, Wishbone was a children's edutainment TV show that aired from 1995 to 1997 on PBS Kids. It involves a Jack Russell Terrier exploring the works of classical literature by connecting them to his everyday life in the town of Oakdale with his owner, Joe Talbot, and his mother, who's a librarian. The show was conceived when its executive producer slash creator, Rick Duffield, wanted a show for children from the viewpoint of a dog. Wishbone also had a children's book series that lasted much longer than the show, the show lasted only around 60 episodes. It was canceled because of a lack of marketability, which considering that it is PBS, the public broadcasting system, that's weird. Also, I would buy 7,000 plushies of Wishbone in different costumes. Here's Wishbone as a little soldier. Here he is with just a crown. Another $20, please. Yes. I'd have done it. I guess the idea is that there would only be one thing to sell, which is... Wishbone, wishbone and different things which is good it works for hello kitty you could have a little kids romper with a little wishbone face on it and it says to pee or not to pee on said diaper what <laughs> <laughs> this specific episode prince of wags is inspired by william shakespeare's henry the fourth part one Henry IV Part One is one of Shakespeare's histories, which are eight plays that involve the ancestors of Queen Elizabeth I, who was the queen in Shakespeare's time. Most of it. Most of it. Then there was James. But ah. yeah, that was the later stuff. The play tells the tale of Prince Hal, the Prince of Wales, and how he went from hanging around a tavern and pulling cons on his friends to becoming king of England. But he doesn't in this one. No, he doesn't. That's later. He doesn't until the end of the second one. Spoilers! <laughs> and, Megan, I hate to tell you that Prince Hal isn't Henry IV. Henry IV is Prince Hal's dad, who is king during this play. So he's not... He's like the main character, but he's not even the Henry IV. He's Henry V, who gets his own play later. Originally, the two main roles in the play were considered to be Falstaff and Hotspur, and Hal was considered more of a secondary character. Because he is. 
okay, okay, but Falstaff doesn't even do anything. Megan, we're not having this argument. Okay. However, since Henry IV is an ancestor of Queen Elizabeth I, Shakespeare's plays about him and his family tend to err on the side of a more positive representation of the family rather than a more negative one. Because obviously when you're being ruled by a monarchy, you tend to accentuate the good sides rather than the bad ones. She saw the plays. She saw them. So, so it was important yep. to not piss her off. Well, also to say anything bad would have been punishable by imprisonment and death. That would have been slander. So there wasn't free speech then. And in fact, the character of Falstaff, the name had to change. He used to be called Old Castle. But since that's the name of an actual person who Shakespeare based him on, they had to change the name or else Shakespeare could go to jail. Henry IV Part One is considered one of the more famous of the histories. It's probably one of the more better written of the histories and the more popular for staging. So, on to Wishbone. I want to start out by saying this is very different from the two pieces of media that we talked about before Wishbone. Megan, I don't see it. I have not watched Wishbone since I was a youngin. I would like to state that it is a publicly broadcasted show, so its budget wasn't very high. I don't even think that that's... It, the budget doesn't <laughs> seem that bad. Like, they got costumes. They yeah. got a good dog. Megan, are you talking about the writing? And the analogies. Well, Megan, 10 Things I Hate About You didn't follow the source material very well. Okay, but it didn't say, and we are this. Literally. Yeah. Like Wishbone will. Yes. So, to go through the basic plot of a Wishbone episode, Wishbone, or Joe, or his mom, or whoever the fuck is in their town has a problem, and then Wishbone looks at the problem and says... This reminds me of a work of classical literature. And then he imagines himself in the lead role of that work. It's a little selfish. The weird thing is, Wishbone has no agency in these problems. Wishbone can't help them solve their problems. Because he's a dog. He can't talk to them. So basically he's just doing running commentary on their lives and hopes that they learn the lesson. Of... I think that's what all talking dog shows do, though. Well, no, 100 Deeds of Eddie McDowd, he helps people. That's why he has to do that 100 Deeds, but he's a person who became a dog. That's very different. Ooh, that is different. Okay, but okay. Anyway. I will give Wishbone one thing. When it comes to Henry IV Part One, the play does give good reason... For Prince Hal to be played by a dog. For instance, one time Falstaff says that he'll cudgel Hal like a dog if Hal says his ring is made of copper. Megan. Yeah. We haven't even started. It's true though. Like a dog. Wishbone's a dog, Wishbone's Hal. Wishbone is Hal. You want to get started now? Yeah. You got it all out of your system? Yeah. Okay. So the theme song slaps. What's the story, Wishbone? What's the story, Wishbone? Yeah, watch the theme. Uh, highly recommended. It's probably the best part of the episode. I mean, it's good. It's the best part of the episode. I mean, this episode's not great, so sure. Yes, exactly what I mean. Also, you get to see 
the dog who plays Wishbone Soccer in a bunch of little outfits. Soccer is a good dog. Yeah, Soccer's a good dog. Good actor. Stand still. Did Soccer ever win an Emmy? Did Soccer himself win an Emmy? Yeah. I don't think so. Megan, Wishbone won four daytime Emmys. So did Soccer win an Emmy? (sighs) Outstanding achievement in art direction slash set direction slash scenic design. Okay. Outstanding graphics and title design. Outstanding costume design and styling. That dog wears a lot of outfits. It was nominated for Outstanding Achievement in Single Camera Editing. Hmm. Another daytime Emmy it won was Outstanding Costume Design or Costuming for 1996, so the year it was released. Ah, Megan. What? What? For the Kids' Choice Awards Mm -hmm. in 1999. Mm Mm-hmm. A nominee, but not a winner for favorite animal actor, Soccer the Dog. Who beat Soccer? I need to find out, Megan. It doesn't say all of them. Favorite animal actor, 1999, Kids' Choice Awards. Nominees, Soccer the Dog for Wishbone. Airbud, Golden Receiver. Did Airbud fucking win? Babe, Pig in the City. Oh, I mean, Babe's pretty good. And then, finally... The winner for Favorite Animal Actor in the 1999 Kids' Choice Awards. Salem the Cat, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Shit, well, I mean... You can't beat... You can't beat Salem. I mean, he ran those tables for a couple years there. That was a good tangent. Scene one. What's up, nerds? It's basketball. So we open up on Sequoia Middle School. Okay, also, like, we didn't come up with that amazing phrase. That's from our friend's horse, which is a basketball podcast that's really good. Look him up. So we open up on Sequoia Middle School for basketball practice? Practice. So Wishbone shows up. He's the new mascot. First off, big problem I have with this right away. Middle school teams usually don't have a literal mascot there with, like, an actual animal. That's usually more for high school in media. In media, not even in real life. In addition, he's representing a team called the Bulldogs. He is a Jack Russell Terrier. I know that they mention it, but why why does he need to be the mascot? Honestly, it's just a really contrived way to have Wishbone At here. School. Like, I just imagine a writer's table just being like, how do we get that dog in that damn school? Okay, but then Wishbone starts making fun of bulldogs because he says he's better than a bulldog. No, he says he's more handsome than a bulldog. Which is pretty shitty, Wishbone. I'm sorry that you're a purebred Jack Russell Terrier. But bulldogs are quote-unquote ugly because humanity has bred them in a dangerous way. Also, like, Wishbone is so educated. Wishbone's read a lot of books. He knows literature. He should know about the dangers of prejudice. Yeah, I'm sure there's a fucking Wishbone episode where somebody makes fun of someone for how they look. And and Wishbone's probably like, that's not okay. Unlike bulldogs that look so ugly unlike me. Bro. Check yourself. Check yourself, Wishbone. So we find out that the first game of the basketball season is coming up. Since it's the middle school basketball, we all know it's the most important thing this town has ever experienced. 
And the team, they gotta pick their own captain. Coach is like, pick a captain, bye, and he just walks away. And so we meet DeMont. DeMont is a real piece of shit. Okay, but all I know from this episode is that he throws good basketballs. Wait, what, Megan? He's actually not that bad. He just kind of makes fun of a guy once for not shooting his shot. And then that's pretty much it. He's just kind of overconfident. Man, what a hot spur he is. Listen, in the whole series, DeMont is the bully character. But in here, he's just kind of sort of mean, but not like awful. He's PBS kids mean. And on the other end of the court, we've got Joe, who's obviously the best person in the world because he's Wishbone's owner. Yes. And what does he do? He says, you'll get that shot next time to the guy that DeMont yelled at, showing obviously that he's an amazing leader. Which makes him just like Prince Hal? What? Because the things we know about Hal from Henry the Fourth, Part One is that Hal's incredibly nice, loves dogs, always very nice to everybody, plays basketball, and... Plays basketball. Plays basketball. The connection's weak, Wishbone. So the coach brings the team together and tells them that before their big game, they need to pick a captain. And DeMond's all like, well, the captain should be the one that gets their shots the most. And that's me. Then he sinks a basket and you're like, oh, Uh, I mean, he's got a point. Yeah, he's got a point. And Joe's a little self-defeating, but only like a little bit. Not even, like, any amount that matters. He's just kind of like, well, I think I'd be a good captain. But also, DeMont might be a good captain. Yes. And Wishbone tells the audience that Joe's got all the qualities of a great team leader. He just doesn't know it. Or, like, no one else sees it or something. But everyone else sees it. Everyone else likes Joe. DeMont's the only one that doesn't like Joe. And he doesn't even necessarily dislike Joe. He just thinks he's the best player on the team, which he is proven to be. And in Henry IV, part one, Prince Hal is disappointing all of the royal family, everyone who matters. And guess what? Joe is not disappointing anyone. He doesn't even have a king figure in this. The coach isn't the king. He literally says, you guys pick it. Yeah. He doesn't say, man, Joe, I wish I could have you be the captain, but I'm just not sure you're ready for it. DeMont's pretty good. That's pretty much it. So then Wishbone decides to go into his brain, because Wishbone is obsessed with the idea. Wishbone sounds a lot like Megan when she's on a tangent. Because Wishbone's like, oh, this is just like Henry IV Part One. Let me show you how, audience. And goes into their first Henry IV Part One scenes. Yeah, so it starts off with Henry IV talking to his people being like, those fucking Scots up in the north are having a rebellion, and we need to stop it. In the play, he also mentions the Welsh to the south having a rebellion, but Wishbone conveniently chooses to ignore this. 
And he tells this to all of his people in his room that all look the same and they all just look the same. And I don't know who anyone's supposed to be. They all look like Prince Humperdinck or Count Rugen from The Princess Bride. I didn't even know if Wishbone was Hal at some points or if some other Prince Humperdinck was Hal, even though they kept calling Wishbone Hal. Let's just say that they didn't do a very good job differentiating the older English dudes. So one of Henry IV's people out of nowhere brings up that his son sucks, and it's kind of a funny moment. Do you remember this, Megan? No. You don't remember? It's like, wow, Hotspur, he's great. And then one of the guys is like, yeah, those are the qualities of a prince. I just like it because it's like so snarky and the king's just like, oh, you're right. My son fucking sucks. So I watched the episode of Wishbone before I read Henry IV, part Mm -hmm. one, because I've just never gotten around to the histories. And from what Wishbone was saying, he was like, everyone loves Hotspur for so long, and it's well known that Hotspur is the greatest to everyone. But everyone doesn't like Hotspur by Act 1, Scene 2. Yeah. And, like, they also jumped that, like, immediately in the show. So I was like, what are you trying to say? Wishbone, everyone's like, wow, Hotspur is successful and an asshole and bad and a traitor now. Wishbone's just trying too hard. I mean, he does have to condense a play into 23 minutes. Yeah. So then we cut to Prince Hal played by Wishbone in a little suit. And he's at a tavern, which is where Hal usually hangs out. Wishbone is Hal. Let's get that clear, Megan. Wishbone, Wishbone Hal. Yes. Hal Puppy. Puppy Hal, got it. Mm-hmm. And he talks to Falstaff, who is a boisterous, fat old man. He yells at him to get up. Basically, Hal's been spending all of his time in this tavern, just drinking and eating and having fun with the common folk and hanging around with Falstaff, who is a lecher and a glutton and a drunk. And Wishbone does this little thing where he picks up an apple in his mouth and he puts it in Falstaff's mouth like Falstaff is like a suckling pig and I enjoy it. Megan doesn't care. I just think it's gross to take something out of the mouth of anything. That's fair. So I'm like, ooh, it's a Prince Hal dog mouth. I mean, they don't share the apple. Megan's giving me a look. I'm going to go back into my reasons that it's okay for Prince Hal to be a dog. Okay. In Wishbone, they show that Falstaff has a tendency to call Hal Wag. Yeah. You Wag, etc. At one point, Wishbone perks up and says, did you say Wag? Because we got to point it out. Yes, that's not from the play. Wait, so Hal doesn't say, did you say Wag? (laughs) Well, he wags his tail? No. So wag is a term that was around in the early modern times that was mostly used by the common folk as a phrase for, like, a dude with some mischievous humor. Oh, you wag. You scoundrel, you wag. Megan, I'm gonna start calling you a wag. Go for it. And also, women would sometimes call their little sons wags. They'd be like, oh, my sweet little wag, because that's what you do. Like, you're like, oh, you little troublemaker. Oh, you little poopy boy. Like, I call my lizards. Wags? You call them wags? I do now. Okay. Falstaff says it in the play five times. Five times he says this. Four of them are in the first two scenes. And then one is at the very end. Note he doesn't say it 
when anything important is going on. Oh, what? What does I, this matter? I, maybe I don't. I see it as kind of like he sees him as like a son, kind of maybe. Wait, what? And he's like. Oh, you little wag. And then there's the whole war thing and all that. But then at the very end, he's like, you little wag. Wait, Megan, I think you've cracked this wide open. I think no one's ever thought this before. Wait, Falstaff is kind of like a father figure to Hal? Which is why there's no Falstaff in the basketball universe because Joey's father is dead. Please leave. I mean, there isn't one, though. No, he's dead. Yeah. It's canon that yeah. Joe's mom's a widower. Yeah. So then we meet Points. Who also looks like every other guy. Yes. So he's got that like Prince Charming hair. Prince Humperdinck hair. Prince Humperdinck hair. So he comes in and he's like, there are some people coming from Canterbury. We should rob them. And Wishbone Hal is like, never me rob, Never. But it's very confusing because he does. No, he doesn't rob them. Not them, but like he, he's known to do shit like that in the past. Yes. So the weird thing is in the play, Hal brings points aside and explains the plan that they're going to rob Falstaff. After he's robbed these people. They don't say it in Wishbone. No. So it just kind of ends with him being like, never rob. And then he goes outside, and we have a cute scene where Wishbone is staring into little mirrors and shiny plates to see his reflection. It's a little dog reflection. I like that. The more dogs I see in this show, the more I like this show. Just because you like dogs. Yes. It's an easy equation. Yes. So this is Hal's big speech in the play. He talks about how he's going to hang around with these commoners. And then when he wants to become royal again, he's going to basically use his former self as a foil to make his noble self more shiny. Is basically what he's saying in the Shakespeare speech. And Wishbone is a little liar dog. And changes the whole tone of this and makes me so mad. The way Wishbone words it, he words it as though he's like, well, a king should be amongst the commoners and... If the sun is common, being seen every day, I too shall be common, the more to be wanted and wondered at. That is not what Hal is saying during that speech. That's the opposite, basically. Basically, Hal wants to use the commoners to look good. Because he will look better when compared to them once he casts them off. Like dingy clouds. So here's why I hate Hal. Because Hal kind of pretends to be these people's friends the whole time. And then in Henry IV Part Two, when his dad dies, he kind of denies Falstaff. And yes, Falstaff's a drunk and a thief, and a glutton, and an adulterer, and he's a pretty bad guy all around. But the thing is, we have different values today that they did back then, and what I see when I read Henry IV Part Two is I see a man betraying his friend and his father figure, even though he is problematic, and I'm sad for Falstaff, and I'm mad at Hal. 
the idea that Hal is just lying to these people in order to look good later sucks so hard. But it's okay. Wishbone isn't. Wishbone Wishbone just wants to be happy and shiny like the sun. It's just a falsity and that's not what the play is. I know, I know. It just will bother me forever. And I like this play. I really do. But that aspect of it bothers me. And I don't even like that Wishbone changes it. I also don't like that. The play's about kingship. Right. The thing is, it's about what makes a good leader. And like, in that instance, Hal's going to use that to his advantage in the court. Yes. So what Wishbone's saying is actually the opposite of what in that time would make you appear to be a good leader. Yes, correct. Because it's not like it's a democracy. No, it's not. It doesn't matter if everyone likes you. Like, that can help you, but being seen among the commoners all the time is not going to get you points in early modern England. No, it doesn't matter if the people love you. It matters if the nobles around you, that's those smaller time nobles, like you. Right. And sure, it's nice to have the like of the people because otherwise you get your head chopped off, but... That's not until later. We don't chop people's heads off for a while. Back in the early modern times, they just did it if you were practicing the wrong religion, not if you were a bad ruler. But in Wishbone, we go to a pizza place. Italian place? Uh, It's unclear. Okay, so I want to be clear. So, Joe is Hal. Yes. Okay, but Hal is Wishbone. Yes. And Wishbone is the team mascot. Yes. All of these are true. Couldn't you have just imagined Joe as Hal? Megan, that's not the show. Wishbone says, can we get breadsticks? And looks at breadsticks. I want breadsticks. DeMont has had enough. And he wants people to vote for the team captain. And what happens? DeMont is declared the captain. What's Joe supposed to do? No, that doesn't happen, Marquez. Marquez, Wishbone is what we're watching. Oh, so what happens? Every single person except for DeMont votes for Joe immediately. But Joe's Hal. Yeah, no, remember how everyone loves Hal and immediately thinks he should be the ruler and Wishbone's just a liar? Yes. Well, that doesn't happen to Hal, but that does happen to Joe. And Wishbone's like, no one sees it in you, but obviously literally everyone does. So what's the conflict? Uh, well, Joe drops some water. Because he's nervous? I mean, I guess you can assume that's what it means. Okay. This episode of Wishbone is so frustrating, Megan. That's another thing, though, is like, Hal isn't nervous. Yeah. That's literally the opposite of Hal's character. Also, voting is the exact opposite of what you do for a king. Wishbone's usually better at picking stories that match what's happening. Yes, yes, he is. Yes, I will say this, Megan. As someone who has watched a good deal of Wishbone, Wishbone is usually good at this. I think he's never actually read Henry IV. Oh, is he just making it up? He's making it up as he goes along. Did he read his own book series? He just went to one of those quote sites and just typed in Henry IV, saw enough quotes that he thought he knew what the plot was, took the quotes out of context. Did he go to schmoop.com? Yes. And then went, oh, this is about a kid who becomes a leader. Got it. Yeah, it's just like Joe with basketball. Mm-mm-mm. So what you're saying is Wishbone's never read this. Yeah, I don't think Wishbone's actually read this play. Okay. We then cut back to Henry IV, and Wishbone mentions Prince Hal liked to play tricks on his friends. And we see the scene in Henry IV, Part 1, 
where Falstaff robs some travelers on their way to Canterbury, and Hal and Poins threaten him using masks and scare him away and steal the money from him. This happens in 30 seconds in Wishbone. Wait, that scene happened? Megan, it did happen. I literally missed that scene. Wait. I mean, I'm not going to go back and watch it. I believe you. Yeah, it happens, Megan. It just happens and then it cuts to the tavern. I was probably eating something. That's fair. But yeah, so then they go back to the tavern and Wishbone and Poins are there ready to laugh at Falstaff, who comes in and starts lying about how many men there were. They also keep throwing the word mutt in in this scene. And like, you already got wag. You don't need to add mutt. We get it. He's a dog. That's fair, Megan. So I just like to say I really do like this scene, and I do like the way that Wishbone does it. I think they do enough cuts to the text where it's still funny, and they make it easy enough for children to understand that Falstaff is lying. I just think it's a cute scene. I do think that I'm giving the people at Wishbone a little too much credit. Because I think it's just a funny scene when Shakespeare wrote it. And that's kind of, he did that. They also changed the numbers. They say 50 out of 2. It's just, it's 11 out of 2. Why are they changing my Shakespeare so much? I guess 11 is a weird number to say goes into 2. I guess they wanted to make it more incredulous. Man, don't give me that look. No, it's just, this scene, the more I look back on notes from it, They're going fast and loose with it. They're jumping around all over the play and they're changing words and numbers and... Well, they gotta adapt it, Megan. That's what adaptation is. Yeah, but we're going from, like, act one, scene one, and scene two, to act two, scene two, to act two, scene four, but just the first half of it, and then we got one line from act three, scene three, then we go back to one line from act one, scene three. Megan, I get it. They cut out the moment where he pretends to be the king and Falstaff pretends to be Hal. Yeah. And that's a really good, poignant, thematic scene. They they... they get to be honest with each other without being honest. And then they cut that scene from Wishbone entirely. And they also cut out, Megan, all of Hotspur's context. He's just kind of a guide. And they just cut all of a sudden to the king and Hotspur just bitching at each other. But no, Megan. Yeah. That's not in the play. It's not in the play. It's him. That's the thing. They do that in Wishbone. They take it and they go, oh, King's being bitchy about Hotspur, but he's not. It's not even a Hotspur in the play. Yep. It's to Worcestershire sauce. Worcester, Megan? Yeah. Yeah, I know, Megan. Megan, Megan, I know. And then all of a sudden they have the king in a tavern. Megan, I know. The king would never go to a tavern. Megan, and that's I... like three, two. Megan, I know, Megan. Megan, I know. He's just in public talking about how disgraceful his son is being. No king would do that in the early modern era. And they wouldn't, Megan. Joe's dead dad's not going to do that on the basketball field. Megan. Yeah? Here's the thing. Yeah? I kind of like the scene between Hal and Henry the Fourth in this show. I think it has a lot of gravitas, even though it has a dog doing a voiceover. I really like it. Wishbone is doing this thing where he's basically translating Shakespearean language into just a few short, sad sentences, while Soccer is doing the thing that dogs do, where they hold their hands over their paws in front of them in a sad... They're looking up at you as though they did something wrong. Okay, but what does that have to do with Joe? 
Nothing, Megan. There's no king, No one Megan. has any problem with Joe's friends. Yeah. Megan has nothing to do with Joe. And they're just now deciding Hotspur is bad, even though we literally knew that earlier? And everyone in this scene knew that earlier? Yes, Megan. They're tiring me. I know, Megan. It's not a very good adaptation. This kid's show is making me tired. Megan, it's one of those things where if you're a kid and you're watching it, you really like it and you get really excited. And then if you're an adult, you can pick it apart. You can pull one string. I just want to see the dog in hats. Hey, Megan, I can look up all of Wishbone's outfits on Google Images and you could just look at them. Okay. That's better than watching the show. Okay. Can we move on, Megan? Yeah, if there's a, if there's a, like a whole gallery, can we just like link it in the episode description? Yeah, I'll go try to find a gallery okay. of Wishbone's outfits. Okay. Okay, let's go back to basketball world. We find ourselves in a sports store. I don't know what Joe is buying or... Sports! He's buying sports? Yeah! I don't know what he's doing in the store. They don't give a reason why we're here. But eh, we're just here. Joe likes sports. Everyone in the town knows he's the captain of the middle school basketball team because it's what the entire town rallies behind. Yep. And the owner of the store goes up to him. Yes, Megan, that's the owner of the store. He better be to just so blatantly talk to someone about what makes a good captain. Yep. I believe that is the season two reoccurring character, Travis Del Rio. Okay, but who's Marcus? Marcus is his nephew. He only appears in the second season. And he appears here. To yes. be like, well, that must mean you're the best player. And Travis tells him, I wish that's all he said. No, what he does tell him is basically the captain isn't the best player, but the one who is the best leader. And then some mailman. Yes, a mailman shows up and says that line that I opened the show with. Just sums up the moral of the episode, not of Henry IV. No, the moral of this episode of Wishbone. It's honestly, Hal has never led people to believe in themselves. No. That's St. Crispin's Day speech. Megan, Hal does do that. Two plays from now. And with that amazing speech from the mailman, we go on to the game. And we hear once again that it is the first game of the season. Wait, and what? Wishbone is the new mascot. What? They keep telling us just in case we forget. To We see Joe's mom, his next door neighbor, who's like an eccentric lady, We see his best friends who are in the stands, but then later they're the announcers, but they don't really talk during the game. So we see all these people get ready. Wishbone, he's pushing balls to the teammates because apparently that's what a mascot does. That is not a legal basketball move. Mate, it's just practice. Not a legal move. You should practice with legal basketball moves. Well, Megan... Airbud taught me that it's not legal for a dog to do basketball. I would also just like to point out that they just cut to the end of the national anthem and it just goes for like 20 seconds. Well, because does it start at Oh Say Does That Star Spin? Yes. That's still a lot. I bet you that they had like a 20 minute episode and they brought it in. And they're like, you need to pad this thing the fuck out. They're like, oh, well, we can't put the full national anthem. We'll get the whole back end. Yes. Then the game starts. And All it's... right, it's time for the game. Wait, nope. 
It's time for Henry the Fourth battles. Yes, and so we get fighting scenes intercut with the basketball game. We've got a great costume. He's in a little suit of armor. He is in a little suit of armor as Hal. He's like, I will fight with you. I don't know what voice I'm doing. I don't know. That's not what Wishbone sounds no. like. I will fight. Like He's like, ah, yes. Ah, I, yes. I will, I will fight, fight with you. you. Ah, I'm Wishbone. I can't do a Wishbone impersonation. But yeah, so basketball is war. War is basketball. Basketball never changes. Thanks, Megan. I wish there was an anime voiceover to make me give a shit about either of these things. We cut to the basketball game and Demont fouls. How dare he? It's Is that supposed to be us seeing that Hotspur is betraying the team somehow? Because he accidentally fouls? Or is it like... I think it's just to show that he's hot-headed like Hotspur. Oh, so it's like when Hotspur's like, where's the map? And they're like, it's right here. And he's like, where's the ball? And they're like, well, you just fouled it. Yes. Listen, he's an angry man. He gets mad sometimes. Okay. Wait, does Wishbone want to kill DeMont? Yes. We should watch more Wishbone episodes, but there are several times when he has it out for DeMont. Because DeMont is a bully. Like, I get it. And, like, dogs are protective of their owners. But, like, this is a kid's show. And you're correlating it to a thing where Hal kills his DeMont. Listen, Megan. Again, let's go back to it. Wishbone is a dog with human intelligence, and he can't communicate with anyone. Yeah. So he creates these little worlds in his head based on classic literature, which he can play out his fantasies. Okay, so so we cut back to the basketball game for long enough to know that they're losing by like two points. And I think that that is them showing when Blunt, one of the, the knight soldier lords of the king, gets killed, and they're like, oh, man. Hotspur's team's gonna win this game mm. because they killed our player Blunt. Sure, Megan. Okay, yeah. I think that's that correlation. Okay, Megan. Okay. So they're losing, and then Joe trips, and the ball goes under the table. Shock, gasp, and Wishbone says, You gotta get back up, Joe. Okay, maybe that is. So the king has all these people dressed up like the king. Yes. And they're like all killed and it's just the king's left. And then No, Megan. No, the Megan. Ball. Megan, no. The king is the ball. No, Megan. Stop trying to connect it. Okay, so No. Hal No. I mean, Joe getting the ball is the same thing as Hal showing up right as his father's about to get stabbed in the face? No. By Hotspur? No. Megan. What does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. Where's the connection? Megan, he just drops the ball. Why? Because the show dropped the ball too, Megan. (sighs) They treat this dropping of the ball like it's this huge climax of the episode, but literally it's not. So they just kind of cut back to the war going on. And Wishbone is an amazing leader as hell, as we can tell, because he says, Stand your ground. Bravo, bravo. Good leader. A true leader. What leadership. Oh, and then the king is almost killed by Hotspur. And we do have a very cute moment of Wishbone running through the battlefield in a little dog run. And he's just like, the Prince of Wales to the rescue. Okay, but that's like Joe running after this ball that's under the table. Is is Joe still stuck under that table? Megan? Yeah. Forget the ball. Megan, I'm imploring you. 
Okay. Please forget about the okay, ball. Okay, but like, what does this have to do with basketball? It's nothing. Okay, sorry. Get back into it. Falstaff fakes his death. Just like basketball. He does the thing where he sticks his sword underneath his armpit and is like, uh, and dies. I mean, that is in the play. He does do the bit in the play. Too. Yeah, in the play, Shakespeare wrote out, and Falstaff does that thing where he <laughs> sticks the sword in his armpit and goes, uh, uh. The master of Western literature. Hotspur is a brilliant detective. Yes. And he goes up to Wishbone and he says, By mistake not, thou art Prince Hal. Yeah, the dog? I mean, to be fair, I'm right with him because I, like I said, could barely keep track of if the dog was supposed to be Hal or one of these weird doppelgangers that all look the same. So I have a real question. Yeah. In Wishbone's world, is he a dog in his little world? Oh, like, do you think everyone else sees him as a human in his world, but he sees himself as a dog still? Yes. I mean, I hope so for Hotspur's sake right here. (laughs) That's fair. Otherwise, Hotspur's, like, face blind. Yes. So then they fight. Blade versus dog. Dog. He doesn't pull a sword or anything. So the dog grab him sword by the blade in his mouth. And then he bashes Hotspur against a tree. So in common layman's terms, he goes to stab Prince Haldog. Yes. And he bites the sword of Hotspur's and just kind of wriggles it like it's a toy, which kind of gently hits him against a tree until he's dead or maybe knocked out. I don't really care. I think this is a simple way to have it so that no mothers can complain that they showed a violent death because they could just say, no, he was just passed out. He just knocked, he got knocked against a tree. And then the mothers can sleep at night. But Megan, he just kind of bashes him gently three times. And then he slides down the tree like, I am dead. Anyway, he killed him. Just like basketball. Moving on. Uh, He said that Falstaff is dead. And he just kind of says a few words. He's like, eh, no great loss there. And then Falstaff gets up because he's not really dead. Cool. And then he's like, I killed Hotspur. It happens in the play. It does. And then just like in the play, he's like, yeah, sure, I'll say you did that. And that's where he says no one likes a selfish wag. Okay, but he says, if I'm going to be the leader of this pack, I've got to be generous. No one likes a selfish wag. None of which is Shakespeare. They're a pack now? Well, also, it just doesn't have anything to do... With anything? Being a good leader isn't saying, I'll let this one guy take... Honors that I did? Yes. Also, it has nothing to do with basketball. I know, Megan. And so we get back to Joe, and he's still, uh, I don't know, searching for that basketball underneath that table after all of this has happened. Wishbone must have a very fast imagination, or Joe's just been laying on the ground for the past 20 minutes. <laughs> I really hope it's the second. That he's just kind of like... They just called a timeout to be like, Joe, I, think, you, I think he needs a minute. <laughs> Joe, are you okay? And he's just kind of laying there, perfectly still, eyes wide open, just breathing. He's just like, I swear there's a cutscene happening. Hold on. Hold on. Wishbone has to tell the story of Henry IV. And the captain comes and they start discussing how they're going to finish the game. So I have a question. What's the point? Of Joe? Of Joe being the captain. What does the captain do? The captain tells that one guy that it's okay that he missed the shot. He wasn't even captain then. What has he done since he became captain? Dropped a ball under a table for 20 minutes. 
in this scene, he says, pass it to whoever has the best shot, which I don't know, is just the good rule in basketball. Right. He's not making a play call or anything. He's just saying, oh, hey, guys, I have an idea. Make baskets. What he's saying is with two points, we tie with three points. We win. Let's try to make a three-point shot. Okay, no, because what happens before that is the coach says, well, we can go for the tie or the win. Yeah, let's try to go for the win. Who would be like, mm, nah, I think we lose. Can we go for the neither? Uh, actually, yeah, I want to tie this one. Yeah, I want to tie this one. I don't want to win. Let's not try to win. We should just uh, be strategic. That'd be terrible PBS programming. So then they win. Yeah, because uh, Joe sees that DeMont's open and passes it to DeMont. You know, like Hal with Hotspur. I mean, so Hal thinks Hotspur is good, and he's like, damn, Hotspur, you're pretty great at things, but I'm Hal and I'm going to kill you. And I guess that's like passing a basketball to someone so that they can take the winning shot. Megan, it's symbolic. Of him killing Hotspur? Yeah, Megan, it doesn't make any sense. It's fine. So then we cut to the final Henry IV Part 1 scene, where the king congratulates Prince Hal on the victory over Hotspur, mentions that they still gotta quash that rebellion in Scotland, but he and Hal are gonna go to Wales to quash that rebellion in the south. Maybe it just started. No, Megan! No! In the play they mention Wales, and now they're mentioning Wales, You don't even need that line. Yeah, they could have just cut it. They could have just cut it, but I'm going mad because they didn't mention whales before, but now they're mentioning whales. I know that kids don't give a shit about that line, but I give 2,000 shits about that line. You know what I give 1,000 shits about? The fact that they end it by making it seem like the last line is, I'm bold to say I'm your son, which is a line from Act 3, Scene 2. So that's over, thankfully. And we cut back to one final scene during dinner. And the sports store owner, who apparently is Joe's best friend, is having dinner with him and his mom. And he tells his nephew, well, when Joe passed the ball to DeMont, it showed smart leadership. Did it? Right, just like Hal killing Hotspur. Passing the ball to someone who's open is not smart leadership. Killing Hotspur is not smart, smart leadership. leadership. It's not smart leadership. It's just doing what you should be doing. It's doing what you had to do. Which is what the actual play is about. Play is about. Is doing the duty you are supposed to be doing. The whole point of the play is about kingship. Yes, but like Joey says, I wanted to do what was right for my country by killing Demont. That's the last line. Nope. The last line is Wishbone going up to a bunch of cheerleaders and saying, Hey ladies, how would you like to have dinner with the winning mascot? He's a horn dog. We end on Wishbone making a weird pass on human girls. Can they understand him? No. They cannot understand him, Megan. This is clear in this show. So that just makes it weird. Does he hump legs? Megan... Don't make Wishbone weird. Wishbone is weird. Wishbone made himself weird. I'm just trying to go further into what happens when the camera's off. Maybe he just wants dinner. Maybe he's really begging for food. 
Well, that's probably what they'd say. They'd be like, oh, he's begging. You can't eat pizza, bad dog. Well, anyway, that was Prince of Wags, an episode of Wishbone that we watched and didn't like very much. And that's not to say Wishbone's bad. Wishbone's cute. And like we said, he does his job better in other episodes. Correct. So I think that what Harry the Fourth Part One would say about this episode is, I see no reason why thou shouldst be so superfluous. With that in mind, Marquez, what would you rate this episode? I would rate this episode one dropped basketball under the table out of ten minutes of cutscenes. And what would you rate this episode, Megan? For dog outfits, I will rate it like an 11 out of 10. I really like dog outfits. Okay. As an adaptation, I will rate it all of my wishbones I've ever had in my life are broken. Out of apparently 50 people beating Falstaff. Okay. Thank you so much for tuning in to Avant Bard. And we will see you anon. Avant Bard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlo. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music, Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Avant Bard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at Avant Bard Pod.